Today, we're going to talk about a geologist, mountaineer, author who mapped the West after the Civil War, helped champion the national park system, surveyed the path of the Union Pacific Railroad, wrote a best-selling book about his adventures, and led a mysterious double life. (gasps) Thank you. I was wondering where the weird was. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Weird World Podcast. I'm Dean. I'm Carrie. Carrie has a shout out before we get started. Carrie has a shout out to a listener who had actually some interesting suggestions, but also had some comments on the show. Carrie, shout out. (gasps) Elaine, hi. Thanks for the email. (laughs) This is a shout out for you and your dog slash Dingo Zoe. And in honor of some helpful hints she gave us about the Irish language that we must have mangled in the Irish triangle episode. Everybody does with all Irish names. She was very good natured in her constructive (laughs) criticism, but here you go, Elaine, go Riff Mahagat. Okay. I'm sure that was, it it was well-intentioned Carrie, but I'm sure it's very offensive. Thank you. Okay. In Irish. In Irish. It, It sounds a little, Offensive, Dirty? doesn't it? Okay. No, it does. I think it's the way you said it that was offensive, but no. that's fine. Okay. I practiced and I listened to a Did few you? different people say it on the yeah. internet. Okay. All right. So All you right. never know. Okay, shall we start? Yes. Okay. We're going to talk about a gentleman by the name of Clarence King. I like the name. In the old timey days. Wait, in the 19th century? Uh, he was born in 1842. Is this Clarence King for the... Oh, my God. I did this episode already. <laughs> Don't you remember about two years ago? I'm, you should know about Clarence I'm teasing King. Carrie because she actually did do that one. Yes. So. <laughs> From your geology days. My, my what now? Your geology days. I was never a geologist. I don't know. Do you know me? You weren't a geologist, but you worked for a geology oh, kind yes, of company. Oh, yes, I did. Doing nothing to do with geology whatsoever. But yeah. May, maybe they had a portrait of him on the wall somewhere. Uh, probably not. But Anyway... Historian Henry Adams called him the most remarkable man of our times. Hmm. And we've never heard of him. And John Hay, who was the Secretary of State under Presidents McKinley and Roosevelt, called him the best man of his generation. Wow. So apparently he was beloved. Yeah. By at least two guys. At least two people. (laughs) Anyway, he was Two prominent white guys liked him. That's, Mm -hmm. That's good enough. He was born January 6, 1842, in Newport, Rhode Island. Sounds pretty fancy. It's pretty swanky. His father's... These days. Yeah. I'm and probably in those days, probably. too. His father's family came from England to the Massachusetts Bay Colony in 1637. Wow. His great-great-grandfather, Benjamin King, supposedly helped Benjamin Franklin with his early electrical experiments supposedly so they say his mother florence could supposedly trace her ancestry back to the signers of the magna carta i feel like almost every white person person of vaguely english ancestry says that i'm not convinced it's true well i'm a vaguely english ancestry and so are you I am? And I haven't traced anything back to the Magna Carta. Yes, but I'm going to say I have, like all the other (laughs) ones do. So I also trace. It was um, Sir Gill of Whitecliffe, I believe, signed the Magna Carta. He's one of my great, 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 nephews. Doesn't make sense. That's a lie. Just for everybody's sake. I think they knew. So Clarence's father's family had a company that imported goods from China and had some possibly shadowy opium trade stuff Hmm. going on there as well. Again, in that time, everyone who was doing trade with China (laughs) had some part of the opium trade in all likelihood. Well, the company ended up uh, going belly up due to a Chinese uprising in 1856. That must have been the, was it the Boxer Rebellion? I don't know. No, it's before that. It's not super crucial to our okay, story. Okay, sorry. So. I'm starting to place it. This left Mom Florence with very little money with which to raise Clarence because his father had died during an overseas trip when he was only six years old. When mm. Clarence was six. Luckily, Florence was able to remarry a few years later, which is how Clarence was able to eventually go study chemistry at Yale University. Hmm. 
from which he received a doctorate in 1862. Yeah, but back then all you had to do was like light a Bunsen burner and they gave you a PhD, so I'm not super impressed by that. He's only 20. Yeah, my rest yeah. my case. <laughs> not quite as demanding or well, time-consuming. It's like being a lawyer back then was just like reading some books and hanging out with another lawyer for a couple of years. Boom, you're a lawyer. You passed the bar. Yeah. What else was going on in the country at this time? What, what time are we at? 1862. Oh, I think we all know what that was, Carrie. That was the first Wimbledon match. The first U.S. Open was played at Flushing Meadows, New York. Civil War? Yes. Okay. The very bloody Civil War was going on, and Clarence wanted nothing to do with it. That is a business decision. So... In 1863, he and one of his best friends, James Gardner, headed west to join the California State Geological Survey. (laughs) We are going to go so far that we be (laughs) close enough to us to draft us. We're out. He was appointed assistant geologist within a few days of arriving in San Francisco, um, even though he had no field experience, which... Again, it took so little. Geological survey didn't really care since he was essentially a volunteer. I mean, they did not pay him. I think somebody held up an object from the ground in his hand, and they said, that's a rock. And the person said, wow, you must be a geologist, and you were a geologist. It was that simple. He, James, and three other men explored the southern peaks of the Sierra Mountains, and this is where he got an idea that he then took to Washington in 1867, where he proposed doing a geologic survey along the 40th parallel of the U.S., Oh, roughly the distance from Denver, Colorado, to Sacramento, California, and the route of the new Transcontinental Railroad. So he spent the next 10 years mapping and surveying the West using the federal funding he had gotten, And during this time, he co-discovered Mount Whitney and made a boundary survey of the Yosemite Valley. Nice. In 1870, he discovered an active glacier on, guess which mountain? Um, Is he in California still? Yeah, he's still in California. In Mount Shasta? Correct. Good job, Dean. Which he named the Whitney Glacier after Josiah Whitney, who was... Did he see the creatures that lived within Mount Shasta from alien creatures that... It's another episode, but yeah, he didn't. That's he, real, you know. So maybe we should buy his book and we see Josiah Whitney, who was the head of the California Geologic Survey that had originally hired him. Josiah Whitney. Uh huh. So they named Mount Whitney after the, like a friend of theirs. No, he yeah. named the glacier Mount the Whitney, Whitney Glacier. He said he discovered Mount Whitney. I'm assuming Mount Whitney was named after Josiah Probably. Whitney, their bud. Yeah. That yeah, seems a little... He co-discovered it. Maybe he co-discovered it with, with Josiah, Josiah Whitney. Probably. Yeah. So would they, would they Rochambeau for who got to name it after themselves? Well, uh, Josiah Whitney had more, you know... He was the superior... Yes. Okay, got it. Yeah. Makes sense. And apparently he liked him because he didn't name it the Clarence King Glacier. He named it the Whitney Glacier. And this discovery of the glacier was significant because no glacier had yet been discovered in North America. Really? How many glaciers do we have? We have glaciers. There's a Glacier (laughs) National Forest in Montana. We have glaciers. Yeah, I expect them to be in Montana. I don't really expect it in California. Well, but that's in the United States. (laughs) Well, other experts in the field at the time thought it was an impossibility. Really? Yeah. Too warm? I guess. It's interesting. Yeah. Okay. In addition to being... A very good scientist and explorer. He was also apparently a very good storyteller. And he started writing essays about his travels and adventures. And in 1871, they started appearing in Atlantic Monthly. Is he Mark Twain? Is he going to be Clarence King? Is Clarence King going to be Mark Twain? (laughs) I'm just. Does Clarence King, is Mark Twain's original name? Clarence King? No, but... You think he has a different original name? But there's some similarities going on here. They both are out in California, out in the West, and they wrote... Okay. But Mark Twain wasn't climbing mountains and surveying. He was uh, actually surveying for gold and trying to find gold and hanging out at Lake Tahoe. Yeah. Stuff like that. I just thought maybe they were... More than one famous guy doing stuff at Mm, the time. I guess. (laughs) So anyway, his essays were very successful for the Atlantic Monthly. So in 1872, the essays essays. were compiled into a book called Mountaineering in the Sierra Nevada, Ah. which became an instant bestseller, as you could imagine. You would think. 
It's a hot read. Yeah, weird. He, tell, he was, a, he was a, like you said, he could tell a yarn. Yeah, apparently. It went through nine printings within mm. its first two years of publication. Okay. I guess Whenever that's say, a lot. Uh, how did we know? It could have been 50 each printing. Every time they, they yeah, say how many printings, that's a pretty meaningless number. Well, and apparently he also had a really knack, good knack at topographical mapping. <laughs> he was a good knack at mapping. <laughs> Say that again four times fast. <laughs> so good he became mapping. the first director of the U.S. Geological Survey. Okay, he's moving up. Interesting that California had one before the country did. Yeah. Huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. So by this time, he's already basically a celebrity. Well, because, you know, celebrity... He wrote essays for the Atlantic. I mean, well, then maybe. in 1872. Oh, you know what? I might have um, jumped the gun with the whole U.S. Geological Survey thing. Uh, okay. I don't think that happened yet. Great. Because in 1872, there goes my timeline. Sorry, Actually, wasn't doing. Well, the 40th parallel team was doing their last season of field work. There were rumors about a huge discovery of diamonds. This rumor was mm. going around San Francisco, and the rumor was that. There was so many diamonds in this mine that it was going to be far more than the gold industry in the area. Would there Mm -hmm. be diamonds on the soles of their shoes? Probably. A mining expert named Henry Jannon laid claim to the discovery and estimated that there were more than a million dollars worth of diamonds and gems that could be mined monthly. I feel like Henry is going to try to sell subscriptions <laughs> or invest or shares or something like that any minute now. So when Clarence gets wind of this discovery, he takes a couple of men to go check it out. Instead of diamonds, Dean, mm. what did they find? Oh, pyrite? No, that's for gold. Um, uh, ba- 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 quartz? Well, there were diamonds. Oh, there were diamonds. Okay. But he found that instead of this rich... Diamond uh, mine. It's like it one. was a fraud. Oh, did he do shotgun it? Janin had apparently the stream and surrounding field had been salted. He with salted diamonds. it. Yeah. Sometimes that was very frequent with gold, and sometimes yeah. silver. Yes. And sometimes you'd literally use your shotgun. You like blast it in the side of a mountain and go, oh, look at that, look oh, at that. Yeah. Gold dust. There's gold in them dark hills, and then you'd you know sell your claim and get and the so hell out of there before they sprinkled in a the stream and a and a field. Apparently, didn't well, work though. Didn't it didn't fool Clarence King? Nope. And so Clarence basically saved the um, investors who were ready to, you know, sink a lot yeah. of money into this. And I, I don't know. They're saying he saved the nation from no, an he did economic not. bubble. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> and thus he became a hero. These thing kind of things happen all the time, and they were sometimes successful. So no, yeah. let's not exaggerate. A few people would have lost some money. A few greedy rich people would have lost some money. Not super. Yes. Well, he returned home. He took a rather circuitous route via Nicaragua. That is, yeah. (laughs) Well, before the Panama Canal, that was not uncommon. It was the the, uh, kind of, if you were going to do that route, you usually went through Nicaragua. There was boats along um, Lake Managua, huge lake in the middle of Nicaragua. So there's just two relatively narrow land crossings, and they weren't as, as swampy and mosquito and malaria infested as the isthmus of uh, Panama, so yeah. that's actually. In fact, the first, the canal was originally going to be go through Nicaragua hmm. before the French swished it up a then little bit. Then I guess it wasn't so weird. It wasn't that. It wasn't as common though. I, I don't think as going overland because the other, the other yeah. way was go entirely right. under Cape Horn all the way by boat. But that was a very yeah. very long journey. They got there via covered wagon or something like that. So they went up so, the overland yeah. route. Yeah. Well, he was cold from his. Adventures like in the chili Sierras. cold, like burr cold. <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> so he he enjoyed Nicaragua, where he described a quote bewitching black and tan sister thrumming her guitar while the chocolate for our breakfast boiled. That sounds a dirty, be a little racist, <laughs> and see just a, a kind of uncomfortable, <laughs> a little creepy. Well, he'd contacted a permanent chill from his time in the Sierras, and for the rest of his life... <laughs> it makes sense. He would associate tropical warmth with relief, rest, and with exotic dark-skinned women. Okay. He's, again, creepy, but B, <laughs> how is that possible? I've, I've heard that. I've read that. Yeah. I'm like, oh, no, you can't have a permanent chill because you spent some time in a cold weather location. That doesn't even make any sense. I agree. Well, he returned to New York. Although permanent chill... 
great name for like a thriller. Yeah, it is. Like set in the, um, you know, Arctic tundra or something like that. No one used that. It's probably been done. (laughs) (laughs) He returned to New York, became the youngest person elected to the National Academy of Sciences. And still, I think to this day, is still Mm -hmm. the youngest person. How old was he? Uh, I don't know. Okay. Did you have a date of birth? Because we can do the math. Okay, what year are we at? I don't know. All right. No, that's good. I tried to get two of the three things there. I was only able to get one of those. In the, well, yeah, I don't know. In, in 1897, mm-hmm. where I had jumped the gun and said he became the first director of the U.S. Geological Survey, that's when that happened. That's 1897. Okay, so he's 55? That doesn't make sense. That's not that young. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't, it, I don't know what's happening. My my timeline is ruined, and now that's all right. he's making it more confused. He held this position for about two years. He lived in Washington, D.C. So this is end of the century. Hobnobbed with the elite people of Washington, D.C., John Hay. John Hay. And Henry Adams. Bill McKinley. Dined at the White House. John Hay and Henry Adams were both married, and the five of them, you know, would get together. So he's not married. They were called the Five of Hearts. Five of Hearts. little group. Uh, Clarence is not married. Correct. But Clarence does lust after, quote unquote, black and tan <laughs> strumming sisters. women, sisters, sisters. Who, who are strumming. <laughs> so um, he's, but we think he's 50, he's in his mid 50s by now. Yeah. To be, a, and he's never been married. Correct. At that time, that meant almost always one thing. You know what? A James Buchanan scenario. Had he been he married? He shouldn't be in his in his mid fifties. He should only oh. be in his mid forties. Okay, so the eighteen forty two so, is not his date of birth. We could Wikipedia that. I think maybe eighteen ninety seven is wrong. It might be a typo on my part. Eighteen seventy nine. Eight. That, no. Oh, could be. That would maybe not fit with John Hay though. If John Hay was in the McKinley administration, that would be the very end of the eighteen nineties. So that part. I don't know. Well, okay. John Hay, I didn't say they were best friends at that time. Oh, okay. I'm just telling you who John Hay was. Okay. This isn't getting confused at all. I think way. I think you're right. I think I transposed. I think it was okay. 1879. All right. For other reasons that we will find out in a moment. Uh-huh. So he did this for about two years, and then he decides to resign that position. He's going to go out and pursue work in mining and private industry. He wants to go... Make some cash. Make some money. Okay. And it, preferably in warm weather climates, too, because he's still got a little bit of a chill. Yeah. He also likes to travel. He's a gallivanter. Okay. Good word, so, by the way. Bring it back. Turns out he was a great scientist and geologist. He's not so good at business. Mm. He doesn't do well. No. He ends up taking a lot of money and loans from his rich friends to fund his expensive life of traveling. He also liked to collect art. And he was often out traveling, seeking his fortune, not and never finding it. Hmm. His friends really never knew where he was. And they but didn't they kept worry. sending him money. Yeah. Very they, trusting friends. They didn't worry if they didn't see him for long stretches of time because this is what he did. And in the 1880s, he started something called slumming. Slumming? Which was kind of a, a fashionable, it had become a fashionable thing to do among the upper classes in London and Paris. Does it mean what I think it means? It means you want to make a stab at well, it. Well, I think literally like like you went and hung out in mm-hmm. you know, tenement parts of, poor parts of, of yep. big cities and things like that. He was going into the streets of lower Manhattan, but mm. it was, you know, you go into the dark, steamy parts of town to meet and talk to people from different walks of life okay. than your own, enjoy the nightlife, sometimes get into fights. Mm. And so that's what he was doing. And... He was living in a series of various hotels in Manhattan. And eventually, because, you know, he was moving from hotel to hotel, and he finally just told his friends, if you need to get in touch with me, you know, send word to my club, you know, because all men belong to a private club in those days. In those days, yeah. It's weird, isn't it? And the people at his club didn't care if he never came home and slept in his own bed. No. No, I think well, you, you could sleep at your club, but you yeah you know it wasn't a, it wasn't a hotel yeah you mostly went there to hang out, play pool, smoke cigars, have dinner, talk say terrible things about 
anyone who wasn't rich and white and <laughs> yeah. uh, lived a really happy life. Well, sometime in 1887, 1888-ish, during one of his many ramblings around New York, probably out, quote-unquote, slumming, he met a woman and fell in love. This woman, her name was Ada Copeland. Oh, I thought she was going to be a feisty Latina from Spanish Harlem. <laughs> She's not. A, well, Ada... Ada Copeland does not sound like that. No, but in fact, Ada, who's about 20 years or so younger than Clarence, was in fact born a slave oh. in Georgia. Really? Okay. Mm-hmm. So she's not white. She's not white. Mm. She was born in Georgia around 1860, and she gained her freedom after the Civil War. That's when, she, well, she was a little kid at the yeah, time. Yeah, she must have been. When she's a young woman, she leaves Georgia and goes to New York with a friend of hers, and she becomes a nursemaid to wealthy people in Manhattan and meets Clarence. He, as we know, was attracted to dark-skinned women. Does she play the guitar, at least the cello? And he was impressed because she could read and write. Okay. Which was somewhat unusual. And when they met, Obviously, he knows she is a black woman, <laughs> but he tells her that his name is James Todd, uh-huh. and he is, in fact, a Pullman porter. Okay. That's and at weird. The time, He's doing like some kind of a, like a, pl- a act, play action. What's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Role playing? Role playing. That's it. Play well... Hi, I'm a porter. My name's James Dodd. You pretend you're an ex-slave from Georgia, but I am. Just, just, just don't ruin it. Okay. Go. Well, Pullman porters were always black men. Yeah. So, wait, was he trying to pass as black? As a matter of fact, he was trying to imply that he, he was, was black. Yeah. Really. He told her he was West Indian. Wow. But he was pretty white. Yeah. He had sandy blonde hair and blue <laughs> eyes. Oh my God. Not black looking. Hey, man, I'm from the West Indies. Okay, (laughs) what's your name? You play guitar? But as we know, many black people at the time did have European ancestry, and we know why. Yeah. And even if a black person had white features, looked white, if one of their eight grandparents Mm -hmm. was black, or great grandparents, right? You, you had to be one eight. Well, it depends on the state. Some states were like one sixty fourth. You know, in the south, other places is one eighth. And you had a James John James Audubon. Yeah, was one eighth. What we they used to call a nocturne. He was one eighth black from from the West Indies, actually. Yeah, but it depended on the state to say, yeah. oh, you have to call yourself right black in yeah. And so and it changed. Yeah. I think over the years, but at this time, if one of your eight great grandparents was black, then you were considered black. Yeah, so, at least probably in New York. Yes, this okay. was New York. So okay. at the time, you know, this actually made it easier for a person to move between racial categories because mm-hmm. it didn't didn't matter what you looked like. Your looks didn't determine your race. Your blood did. So well, your blood. Well, yeah, but yeah, if if they couldn't tell, they couldn't tell. Correct. So light-skinned black people pass were able yeah. to pass as white if they wanted to, you, for obvious reasons. You probably have to move away from your home yeah. where people knew, but yeah. that was not super uncommon. It happened. Yep, for jobs or social advantages. Yeah. So it was less common for someone like Clarence to want to go in the other direction you think? and pass as black. <laughs> I mean, good Lord. Yeah, that that's baffling. Yeah. So... He was said, he? I wonder if he felt like he wouldn't be accepted by her. Correct. If he didn't, if she didn't think he was part, black. he wouldn't have been. Okay. It was equally unacceptable in black social circles. Yeah. You know, for for black people to be dating or marrying white people, yeah. even though it was legal in New York at the time. Really? Yeah. Okay. Interracial marriages were legal. I'm, Is he I like totally? Too. He's starting to use the N word. He's just acting. He's he's changing his accent. He's really trying to fit in. He's, he's Rachel Dolezalian it uh, to the 10th degree yes. by this point. Well, uh, Pullman Porter, was there, it was actually a very prestigious job for black men yeah. at the time. And it, it almost made them middle class. Hmm. And it also meant it was a good excuse 
for oh, him to, to be gone all the time. have to be gone a lot. Yeah. He said he was a Pullman porter and also a traveling steel worker. Okay. <laughs> Not sure that's a thing, but all right. So he knew if he wanted to have a relationship with Ada, he had to be black. But he also knew he had to make money. And the best way to do that would be to continue his Clarence King life. Yeah. And because his friends just wired him money. So he hid that entire life mm. from Ada, n- never told her. And he was what at the time considered a racial radical. Both his mother and grandmother were both abolitionists. Mm. And in the 1880s, he said he believed miscegenation was the hope of America. He believed in an America without race, a future where, quote, the populations were melted down into one race alloy. Mm-hmm. He so, was mostly motivated by, he, he just turned yeah. out by black women. So, Well. It was he, an ulterior motive, that's all I'm trying to say. Don't make him out as an, as an absolute, as a saint. He, um, well, I, I he, had, he had a type. Let's I wouldn't say this made him a saint, but yes, he did have a type. But he was clearly raised. Yes. Under the influence of his mother and grandmother. His friends, though, didn't necessarily share his views no, about no, race. No. And I'm sure he knew this. And he knew if they found out about his relationship with Ada, oh, oh. it probably would have resulted in no more loans. No, probably. <laughs> he would have been ostracized by his society for sure. So they end up getting married in September wow. 1888. In, I've read either Ada's aunt's house or a friend's house, doesn't really matter. He's 46 mm-hmm. at the time, she's 27. And it was just basically, it was a religious ceremony, but they never actually got a civil marriage license. So it was a common law marriage, which oh. was considered legal and acceptable in okay. many states. But, but they didn't, that's interesting because so there's no paperwork. Correct. Okay. Literally, there is not one document hmm. containing both of their signatures. I want, Was he doing this for deniability? Probably. Okay. Just in case? I mean, he's got a fail safe. He's got a fallback. It's like, oh, I hit my head. What? I've been married to her for three years? Oh, my God. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm white. Let me come back to white society and give me money. Well, he was devoted to her, but, of course, he was away a lot, presumably working on the railroad. Yeah. Well, are... Freelance steel working. <laughs> yes. But Hi, he, you need any steel working help? Yeah, you know, as a matter of fact, we do here in this farm. He was sure. returning to his Clarence King life in order to earn money. He wrote to her often from the quote unquote road between 1889. <laughs> Carrie thinks road is not a real word. But that's a, <laughs> well, that's the road, because yeah. he wasn't really on the road. Well, wasn't he though? I guess so, yeah. He probably was. He's yeah, out doing... I mean, presumably, if he's doing his Clarence King thing, was he was he sincere at all? Was he really going and checking out potential mines and stuff like that at all? Or is he just literally leeching off his friends and traveling around having fun? I, he must have been doing something. I don't yeah. know. Was, you know, the he stories never say, like, you specifically. Think he was. His early stuff is so well-documented. Yeah. I don't... It really isn't. Well, but I, either, either way he was, literally, just traveling around having fun... Um, no, he was trying to earn money. Or he was trying yeah. to, to, you know, find, like, I think, right, he was a, he was a, a geologist, so presumably he was doing something yeah. with respect to minerals. Or, yes, or, so, yeah, okay. he was. Between, and just not successfully. Correct. Between 1889 and 1893, they had five children. Jesus. For, Wait, 1889 to 1893? Yeah. They had five children? Yes. Okay, that's that's more than one a year. Yeah, that's true. That's a well. lot. That's that's um, <laughs> that's a whole Irish family of Irish babies. One of which, the first child, it was a boy. Leroy did not survive. This is nineteenth century. One out of five is phenomenal. Yeah. That they only one died. And in eighteen ninety one, they had lived in like a kind of a poor black. Oh, I'm sorry. Area. Yeah. It's five years, so they had they had literally every time she had a baby, she got pregnant within a couple of months. Yeah, Jesus. Well, he moved her. Well, he moved the whole family to a house in a residential neighborhood in Brooklyn, which was a big step up. Mm-hmm. He's starting to feel the financial strain of his double uh, okay. life. Those checks are starting to slow down. Well, from the he, friends. He gets six loans from John Hay without telling him why, which is, that's a pretty nice friend. Yeah, it's a pretty dumb friend. And when Leroy died in 1891, John Hay wrote about 
sensing despair in his friend at the time, but he didn't know why. <laughs> yeah, he couldn't tell him why. Nope. And I don't think John Hay ever finds out why. Really? Clarence was away all, all the time, and the stress, you know, finally gets to him. He's at a menagerie in Central Park. It's a zoo. And has a breakdown. Oh. Where he, like, flies into a rage. Mm. I'm sure somebody probably summons the police or whatever. And so two doctors end up saying he was suffering from mental disturbance with occasional acute symptoms. Oh, my God. And he, he was committed to the Bloomingdale Asylum for the Insane. Was he throwing poop at monkeys <laughs> rather than the other way around? Was that Because that sounds insane. Well, his wife would have no idea where he no, is. No, uh-uh. And they don't know to, to go tell his wife because they don't correct. that's a secret from polite society. And because he is a well-known person yeah. in New York, this story of oh. his being committed to the insane asylum was in newspapers. Famous geologist throws poop at monkeys <laughs> was the headline. I, rem- I think I remember that now. But if Ada, even if she had seen the story, yeah, she wouldn't have... It wouldn't have triggered anything. Famous geologist. Who's that guy? Clarence <laughs> King. I don't know anybody. I know yeah. James. But where is my husband, James Todd, who's no a porter? He was in the in the hospital. Wow. He was in the hospital for two months. I'm guessing no pictures or drawings of Probably him. Probably not, yeah. yeah. That Would that be amazing? They showed yeah. a picture. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's a lot like my husband, James, who coincidentally is not here. Which is odd because there would have been a, a portrait of him. You'd think. I mean, there was this a... This is yeah. late 1890s or yeah. 1890s, right? Yeah. Hmm. And anyway, his discharge diagnosis was acute melancholia, mm. which I think is depression. Sad. Right? Yeah. So he goes home, and he had to make some excuse for his long absence. And at this point, he stays home for only two weeks because he's got to go out and make some money. He's in severe debt. Mm. And in late 1896, presumably because he gets more loans from John <sighs> Hay, he moves the family to Flushing, Queens, where Ada, you know, they have a big, like, 11-room house, five servants, Jesus. a music teacher for the kids. So how exactly is he short yeah. on cash? How is he? A cook, a maid, and a laundress. He's dumb. Yeah. We don't really know if Ada's suspicious. Well, because, yeah, he's supposed to be a porter. I mean, sort of middle class yeah. isn't, I, I wouldn't well, think, live like that. It's possible she thought that Without telling her, he was going out and passing us white to work mm. a better job, to you know, to make more money to afford these things. The reason why he tells her they had to keep their marriage and life and family a secret from like his family because when they get married, there's nobody yeah. there from his side, no family, no friends. She's never met anybody from his family or anything and he tells her that it's because he has a wealthy aunt who would disapprove of their marriage because she was very dark-skinned and was born a slave and this aunt would potentially leave him a large inheritance but not if he knew or not if she knew about um, Ada so he needed to make sure that the aunt never finds out about them so that's why okay. nobody from his previous life could know that he was presumably the amp then was on his you know white side he's supposed to be, he's he's passing as one eighth black I believe right is that what you said well I don't think he tells her how but how, uh, clearly but, she can look yeah. at him know he's minority yeah. black so that means he has white family members but he, that also would mean he has black family members yeah. so she she would maybe wonder why the black part of his family didn't come for the wedding but I guess yeah. So he's writing all these. We know he's a good writer and he's a good mm-hmm. storyteller. So yeah, why is he not just write some more stuff yeah. for the for the Atlantic? Come on, man, cash those magazine checks. Yeah, but when he's away, he's sending her these, you know, beautiful, loving, f- you know, flowery letters about how much he misses her and how wonderful she is and all that kind of stuff. I'll and, be home to get you pregnant soon. Yeah. And I guess she would write to him too. I don't know how the letters would get to him. I don't yeah. know where he was telling he her. He must, yeah. He to maybe send the she could have sent them to something that got sent to his club, and he told his club where he was, and they could forward him something like that, probably. But they would be to James Todd. Yeah, that's so true. So I don't know. I don't he must know how he did it. 
But he did destroy any letters that she wrote to him. He didn't save anything because they would say James Todd. You know, they yeah, would say that's James. True. Why do you have James stuff. Todd's letters, my white friend? <laughs> I don't know. But she saved his letters. In 1901, he gets seriously ill with tuberculosis and goes to Arizona to get better. And he doesn't believe if she sends him any letters that they'll get past his caretakers if they're addressed uh, to, to James, James Todd. Todd. Yeah. So, you know, he's worried about it. And this is when he finally writes to her and tells her the truth. <laughs> Dear beloved wife, I am white. That he is Clarence King. I don't know if he, say, if he says she's, that he's white. He just says, my real name is Clarence King. Oh. At this and point, they've been together for 13 years. Damn, I think it's time to break the news. So he's trying to get his final arrangements together because he doesn't believe he's going to survive. And he does not. He died mm. on Christmas Eve that year, 1901. He never did get a chance to make a will oh. since he married Ada. So the, the last will that existed was made a couple of years before they got married in 1886, which left everything to his mother. His mother, who hated Ada, was a super <laughs> racist. No way, his mother was an abolitionist. Yeah. But she probably still would have been yeah, upset that, that mean, she, yeah. he married a black woman. Yes. He was 59 years old. Mm. His funeral was held on New Year's Day in 1902 in a Presbyterian church in Manhattan, and he was buried in the family plot in Newport, Rhode Island. And, you know, nobody contacted Ada or invited mm -hmm. her because nobody knew about her. She begins... Would that You would think then there'd be obituaries with pictures in New York publications, as she might see. You would think. Oh, no, he wrote to her from, from Arizona. Yeah. So, oh, and said, I am yeah, white and knew, I'm dying. I don't know if I'm not he said he was back. white. He I'm told her sure he his did. name and presumably that he had tuberculosis. And P.S., I <laughs> And am he white. might die. But he tells her in one of these letters, that he had left her an $80,000 trust fund mm. with his friend, James Gardner, which would He's be a, lying. over $2 million <laughs> today. How, okay, that makes no sense. And she starts receiving a monthly what? check. What's for happening? $65, which would be about $2,000. billion. Oh, okay. And her house in Flushing gets paid for. What the hell is happening? Mm -hmm. Is he going to have a third identity? He's actually the son of Cornelius Vanderbilt. So she figures that this trust fund being held by James Gardner is where the money is coming from to pay her bills. So James Gardner's just the executor. He says, this person is going to pay you. I left a trust fund with him. Yes. He's going to pay, okay, for my porter money, all my super, super, super yeah. $80,000, million worth of porter well, money. Well, now she knows it. he wasn't just a Pullman That's porter. That's true, but... So James Gardner dies in 1912 and she finds out about it presumably she sees an obituary where the payments continue to come i think i know what's going on but i'm not gonna say it she couldn't figure out how she's still getting money after james gardner dies can i just tell the, the, the listeners uh, and you won't listen okay close your ears close your ears listeners i may be giving this away but i think he's still alive and he's under a new identity <laughs> of james gardner that's just my thought i'm gonna tell carrie to undo her ears now okay go ahead Undo yours. I can't believe I didn't hear you. I'm good. Okay, at, listeners, it's I'm, just between us. I'm good at plugging my ears. Okay, what did I say? You said oh, he something. dies in 1912. The payments continue. She doesn't know how this is happening. So she decides she wants to go to court and get control of her husband's estate. Good the for her. Of Damn the, it. Of I'm, the on Ada, so I'm on Team Ada officially on this one. Well, she's told, I don't know by whom but somebody who knows what's going on that she needs to drop it or the payments are going to stop. Ooh. And she, you know, tries to hire lawyers and she hires some attorneys. This is going to turn into a thriller. And she's like, <laughs> she's being threatened and finally someone tries to murder her. She's one step ahead. She's forced to go on the run. Come on, work with me. Well, she does hire some attorneys and they also advise her to drop mm. it, which she does. Okay. They threaten her. They threaten her children. Well, so then sometime during the 19, I think the late 1920s, she decides to bring the case up again 
She's still getting... 1930s? So I mean, 1920s. Oh, 1920s. Still. So she's been getting money for she's, over 20 years. Uh-huh. She's still getting this money. Wow. And she decides to, to make this case. And so she finally gets her day in court in November 1933, 32 years Jeez. after her husband died. So the, all, she brings in all the letters that he sent to her because she's got to prove that we were married because mm. she was married to James Todd, Todd not yeah. Clarence King. And they she knew thumbprints, I'm assuming, back then. Well, she brings <laughs> the letters and it was kind of, they did validate, okay, yes, you had a relationship, you were married kind of thing. They validated that she had a relationship with Clarence King. Yes. Okay. However, it was revealed during the court proceedings, that there never was a trust fund. He died broke. <sighs> Don't know why he Yeah, which makes her. way more sense. Right? From yeah, what you said before, he's borrowing, he, he was continuing, you know, sponging off yes. his friends. So where did the trust fund money come from? Well, and in fact, when he died, he owed his friend John Hay $43,000. That's $17 trillion in today's money. Well, if $80,000 is a couple million, this is over a million dollars, right? Because it's more than half. I guess I like your math better, but still. (laughs) So the court case made tabloid headlines as one might imagine, in 1933. Because he was still super famous here <laughs> from are, that book in 1879. <laughs> well, he's, you know, Clarence King is, is an, a known name in yeah. New York, even still. But So here are some of the wonderful headlines. Okay. Oh, Colored God. woman sues yes. as widow of society man. Society man, huh? Okay. Yeah. Mammy. Mammy? Ba- yep. Mammy bears life as wife of scientist. Mammy. Mm-hmm. Mammy was what? A synonym for a black woman? Old, yeah, of course. Just any black woman. Mammy. Pro- probably old black woman. Okay. And then okay. old negress suing nice. estate reveals love. Wow. These mm-hmm. headlines could still be on the um, bottom scrawl of ONN. So don't, <laughs> don't be surprised. So all this time, she thought the money was coming from John Gardner. But it actually was money provided by John Hay. Really? The friend that he owed a ton of money to already. I don't think this was necessarily out of the kindness of John Hay's heart. I think it was in order to protect uh, Clarence's memory, memory reputation, friend. and to prevent a scandal. Mm. When John Hay died, his widow kept up the payments. And then when she died... Her wealthy son-in-law hmm. kept up the payments. And then when he died, his widow, who presumably My would have God. been John Hay's daughter. Grandma, tell me again why we have to pay this black lady in New York a lot of money. I'm I just I'm not yes. against it. I just don't remember. But since the the purpose of the payments was really to protect Clarence King's legacy and yeah. reputation, that was no longer necessary after the court case because it was it oh, was yeah. all revealed. Mm-hmm. So the money, the monthly payments stopped. Oh, wow. She should have probably just Mm -hmm. left it alone. But she's very old right now, by now, right? Well, she's not that old. She's crazy old. Because she, remember, she was 20 years younger than him. Yeah. Okay, still. So, yeah. She's pretty old. Yeah. She's got to be like 70 or something like that. So. She's a mammy, Carrie. Yes, she is a mammy. She was actually happy that it had come to light that, you know, she was, in fact, married to Clarence King. And she actually did get the title to the house. They let her keep the oh, house. Oh, that's nice. The one in Brooklyn, nice. she, the loving mm-hmm. room, she doesn't have all those service No, it was, it was in Flushing. Queens. Oh, the Flushing one. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's right. But that was the one with 11 rooms and uh-huh. all the staff yeah. is uh, presumably no longer there. Yeah. I don't know. She did have her children. Well, they're 50s. <laughs> they're good well, 40s. I know, but so presumably they could be helping her. That's true. With expenses. And she ended up living in that, that house in Flushing with two of her kids until she died in 1964. Wow. Okay. So at she's the age very old. Of 103. Oh, what? That's like a super mammy. 62 years after her husband died. Wow. The year before she died. Yeah. In 1963, Ada was one of the few former American slaves who heard Martin Luther King give mm. his I Have a Dream speech. At the steps of the Lincoln Memorial. Her dream was to marry a, white, marry a white man who pretended he was a black man. Which is fitting. And she lived her dream. 
because this weekend just happens to be, I know this is not when you're listening to it. No, it's not. But when we're recording this, it is the 60th anniversary um, of the March on Washington yes. and that very speech. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Is that what you got the idea from? Is no. Okay. I'm just curious. The, no, the timing is just completely coincidental. Okay. So... People are saying, you know, how could you, how could he possibly pass as a black man and how common was this? It wasn't super common, but in one article that I read, they listed several. One, one white man was, you know, back in the olden days was passing as a, like a black, uh, minister in a black church. And when he's found out, he's like, you know, they kicked his... He didn't have the, right the verb, though. He's like, and can I please have an amen? <laughs> Thank you so much. Now on to uh, John 3.16. And then, of course, we know about Rachel Dolezal. Yes. that that It makes more sense in Rachel Dolezal nowadays, things like that. But to do this in yeah. the 19th oh, century, yes. I'm sure they said, no, we believe you, because good God, who no, would do that? Exactly. Although when that white, or that minister yeah. was found out, he was... They were very upset with him. The congregation was very I, upset. I with would him. hope so, just like Rachel Dolezal. And um, Walter White, the From not the, the breaking TV bad show? guy. Okay. He was the he. I don't know what oh. his title was, director, president, whatever of the NAACP for like twenty four years or something. Looked completely white. Well, his name is Walter White, so he he. But he was he had black ancestry. Hmm. I mean, and and not like, you know, great 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 grandparents. I mean, I I think it was fairly recent that whole genetic yes thing. But he turned out to be very white looking. Hmm. I I looked at pictures of him online. They were all black and white, so it's really hard to tell. But he looks like a white man. I mean, he was lauded as the head of the NAACP. Yeah. He did great work, but because he was white, passing. Mm-hmm. He uh, would basically how I probably before he headed up the NAACP, he would go out. He was able to investigate uh, racial crimes and stuff by just yeah. going in and listening to rumors and talking to me. He could just go into a town yeah. and people would tell him, "Oh yeah, we lynched that guy." Oh and, my god! Yeah. Hey, fellow so, white guys, any lynchings this past week? <laughs> tell yeah. me more. To give him some details, times, dates, and names. He would write a. Reports and, you know, send them into whoever, I don't know. And when he started making a name for himself, he became recognizable. So he couldn't really do that anymore because people would know who he was. And then he's in danger himself, right? So anyway. It's like a black Klansman. Yeah, I found that interesting. Exactly like that. He had a black wife and black children. Walter White did. And then at some point he, he divorces his black wife and marries a white woman. Oh, oh, that, yes. is that when he resigned from the NAACP? I'm assuming. I, probably, unless he had already resigned, yeah, yeah. unless he was already out of the NAACP. But that would yes, not go over well. No, he was pretty much shunned from mm. black. Most, you know, they didn't they didn't take kindly to that. And in fact, his kids never talked to him again. Wow. Yeah. Did you really not hear my aside to the listeners earlier about my? No, theory? I really didn't. You didn't? No. Okay. Do you want to know what it was, or do you have something else? I just wanted to say real, real quick that um, two of Clarence slash James and Ada's daughters, they're t- only two dollars. They were white passing, and they both married white men, hmm. passing as white women. Really? One the husbands them, did not know about. I don't know if huh. the husbands knew. Well, you know, because well, their cause their father was one hundred percent white. Yes. So they're, uh, and I'm sure their mother was probably not one hundred percent. White, few slaves were by that time. You mean 100% black? Black, sorry. So no, but she was fairly dark yeah, skinned. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But still, so they're probably, yeah, I don't so know, who knows? 40%, whatever yeah. the math is. But and so they one, both got the gene that, okay. Yeah. And one of them was so afraid if she had babies that they would <gasps> oh my God, that's right. come out really black. And there would be a decent possibility that yeah. some would. So she so they never had kids? Never had kids. She adopted yeah. two white babies. Wow. Yeah, to hide it. So, and, but of course, so the two daughters were able to pass us white and get married. The two sons, when they had to register for the draft for World War I, they were not able to pass and mm. they were assigned to all black regiments. 
And, you know, they were listed on various uh, censuses through the years as mulatto or octoroons or, mm-hmm. you know, it was always different, what, really whatever the whatever they census to say, taker yeah. wanted to put put them as. So so they those things switched on censuses through the years. And then as of 1930, all the mixed race designations were gone. You, there was, you know, the mulatto, it was white, back, black, mulatto, quadroon, or octoroon. And then in 1930, you could only be black or white. Hmm. And there was no mixed race designation at all between 1930 and guess what year? 1970. 2000. What? Yep. Really? Yep. But we've had, that's, and I've now, seen of course, census well, data that has designations beyond now, that. Now there is not mixed race. Huh. You could do other ethnicities. Oh. You could do Latino. Oh, okay. You could do things like that, but not, huh. you couldn't be a mixed race. It's getting more and more difficult now you can. to do. Uh, eventually, they'll, that will, won't be something on the census someday in the not too distant future in all likelihood. It's just race is getting so difficult to gauge. Yeah. It's so, uh, well, okay, so. Yeah, what did you say? I Listeners, I think you'll agree that my theory was way better than the actual <laughs> truth. I was thinking that he faked his death oh. to live as a, like, you know what? I'm, I want to live as a white guy again. I don't want to be married, but I want to take care of my ex-wife and kids because I still love them. And he lived out his life as a white guy again and took care of her financially. That was my theory. Oh. I was way off. Would have been a lot better. Well, because he actually died. Yeah, and it was just John Hay giving her money to yes. protect his dead friend's reputation. But she, no, he truly loved her. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I know that now. Yeah, but that was my theory. Yeah, the fan, the 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 time that he was able to spend with Ada and their children was the happy part of his mm. life. The other part wasn't so much. It was stressful. Stressful cash and checks from friends who mm-hmm. he wasn't ever going to pay back. Yeah. That would be stressful, yes. Yeah. Well, thank you for that story of Clarence King slash James Todd slash, I'm still sticking with my theory, that's James Gardner <laughs> as well, was him living as a white person. I'm going to say Washington, D.C. Okay. Thank you, Carrie. You're welcome, Dean. Until next time, see ya. Thanks for listening. Bye.